Welcome to Beautiful Soul Sunday, and thank you for tuning in. Listen, we want you to be encouraged, uplifted, and strengthened in your faith as you listen to the show today. And we pray that this podcast will be a blessing to your soul. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lynn Gope. What's up, family? Grace and peace, beautiful souls. Rise and shine. It is a beautiful soul Sunday because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is your host, your sister, your auntie. Yes, your girl, Dr. Lynn Goble is back again this week to give you another dose of the most insight, inspiration, energy, encouragement, and love. That is what I am here to give you a dose of. So come on in as I release some positive vibes to you wherever you are listening from, your phone, your home, your car, or your computer, maybe even your radio or your television this week. Again, thank you to all of my listeners nationwide and internationally who continue to support the Beautiful Soul Sunday podcast, Godcast. Listen, I am so grateful and thankful to all of you who continue to tune into the show and thank you for your support each week. I love and I appreciate all of you. And as always, I am sending lots of love and even some air hugs right back to all of you all across the world. So family, I pray that you had an amazing week last week. I know that I had an amazing week. And listen, you know, this is my season. I mentioned that before. So I am just so excited that fall is finally here. And listen, I am looking forward to the holidays. And I pray that you are as well. Listen, I feel in my spirit that there is something on the horizon. So I want all of you to have an expectation to receive from the Lord whatever you stand in need of, whatever you need. I feel in my spirit that God is going to deliver it to you before this year is out. So just receive that, expect that, whatever you are believing God for, Have an expectation that you are going to receive it, whether it's healing, whether it's a financial blessing or a miracle, whatever it is, just expect to receive it. C-O-D, that's right, cash on delivery, because some of you are going to receive unexpected financial blessings. So I pray that you will receive that, believe that, because I feel that in my spirit for you. So this week, family, what I want to talk about is something that we always may not feel comfortable talking about, but I want you to get to a place where you are not only comfortable, but also where you are transparent and where you can be real and be true to yourself. And that is some of the things that we may struggle with. I don't know what your struggle is, but listen, everyone has something that they are dealing with and something that they are struggling with. And this episode actually came about because I spoke at a women's meeting on last week and I shared this in the women's meeting. I shared something that I have certainly dealt with over the years 
And that is keeping my own tongue under wraps. And of course, the Bible addresses this. The Bible talks about it. But I have noticed over the years that this is absolutely an area that I have prayed about on more than one occasion to make sure that I guard my tongue. And it is not as much of a problem as it used to be. Trust me. However, I still might be a little quick to let somebody have it, which lets me know I still need work in that area. And so that is my it. That is my thing. Your thing may be something completely different. But my point is, as Christians and as brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us have something that we can work on. All of us have something that we need to be delivered from. All of us have something that we are struggling with. And, you know, it reminded me of having a conversation with a dear friend and sister of mine. She called me about a month ago regarding a situation slash altercation that she found herself in. And I listened to everything that she wanted to share with me. And at the end of the conversation, I shared with her what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with her. And of course, I asked her before our conversation ended if I could pray with her. And of course, she said yes. And after I prayed with her, she began to pray for me because she is a woman of God. She is saved. She is filled with God's spirit. And I'm going to say that again. She is filled with God's spirit. So always keep that in mind if you are ever talking to someone or if someone feels comfortable enough to be transparent around you, listen, make sure that you don't have a judgmental spirit to the point that you start ministering condemnation instead of conviction because there is a difference. But before I get into that, I'm going to take a quick break once again early in the show. And when I come back, we will get into it. So stay tuned and I will be right back after this brief announcement. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the show, beauties. So before the break, I was talking about the difference or that I would talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation. One of the things to keep in mind or remember is where condemnation comes from. Condemnation does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. It comes from Satan. And it is one of the enemy's biggest weapons in his bag of dirty tricks that he uses against the believer because to condemn means to pronounce a guilty sentence and punishment. And it also means to pass judgment against someone else. But conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. 
And it is a declaration that someone is guilty of a sin or a criminal offense made by the verdict of a jury or the decision of a judge in a court of law. And how many of you know that God is our righteous judge? So it is not our position even to convict someone, because if that person is a believer, then the Holy Spirit will convict and not condemn. And look, generally, if someone messes up, that person knows that they messed up. They know that they are wrong. They do not need someone else to tell them that they were wrong or to pass judgment because that is pronouncing condemnation instead of conviction. And a lot of people may not agree with me, but there are people who believe that the Holy Spirit does not convict you either. And what you have to remember is that conviction is a declaration that someone is guilty of an offense or of a sin. And the verb convict is used in the sense of making one aware of a sinful thought or behavior. It is feelings of remorse and regret and conviction will often accompany sin awareness. Not that we are unaware when we sin, but the Holy Spirit will bring conviction or awareness to the point that you recognize that you need forgiveness and repentance. But going back to the story I was sharing with you when I prayed for my friend who shared something with me that she struggled with. After I prayed for my friend, she began to pray for me and the Holy Spirit took over and she began to weep. And as she prayed for me, this is what she said. She said, God, I thank you for my sister who listened to me and ministered to me without passing judgment. And I thought to myself after she said that, wow, I did not even realize that all I did was listen to her, prayed with her, and was very careful without even realizing it that I would not pass judgment on what she shared with me. And the reason why is because I always try to remember the times in my life when I did not have it all together, when I didn't always make the right choices, when I didn't always make the right decisions, and when I didn't always get it right. And so as believers, we have to first of all not agree or come into agreement with the acts of sin, yet we must realize that once you have given your life to Christ, Committing a sin does not make you a sinner. Now, we are instructed to be angry and sin not. So, of course, you should not still be committing sins. But if you would happen to slip up or mess up, it does not make you a sinner. It makes you human and it makes you flawed and it also makes you imperfect. But Your imperfections are not a bad thing because it gives you something to strive for, which is to improve upon those imperfections every single day of your life. When you wake up in the morning, listen, you can say, God, I didn't get it right yesterday, but you have given me another chance. You have given me another day to get it right. And I am so thankful 
and grateful. Listen, if anyone knows about that, it is Job in the Bible. In Job chapter 9, verse 20, it says, If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. And if I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me to be perverse or wayward or contrary or even backward. Verse 21 says, Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. So Job is doing a self-evaluation of his own life. And this is very interesting to me because Job is saying that he is not perfect. He is doing a self-evaluation, yet God chose him to be challenged by the enemy because he was upright and perfect. But in his own eyes, he could always improve. He could always strive to be a better man than he was. And so that's where we should be. Not that we are perfect, but we are striving for perfection every day of our lives. In Psalms 18 and 30, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Verse 32 says, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. So without God, we realize that we can strive for perfection, but we need the Holy Spirit every single day in order to help us to get there. Because Psalms 37, 37 says, mark the perfect man. So Job was a marked man. And guess what? You are a marked man. When I say man, I'm speaking of mankind, whether you are a male or a female. But the Bible says to mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. Psalms 101 verse 2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And this reminds me of something that my older son shared with me. I thought that it was very profound. He was probably 16 years old at the time. We attended an event where Paula White was speaking. She was in my city at the Civic Center. And when I walked in, the usher recognized me and she looked at another usher and she said, this is minister so-and-so, take her up front. And of course, I was just trying to blend into the background. I did not want to go up front because there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the Civic Center. And she kept insisting that I be escorted to the front, uh, which I was. And after the event that night, my son and I were driving home and my son said, you know, mom, a lot of people know you, they respect you. And that is the reason why when I'm out, I'm very conscious about how I act. I want to make sure that I govern myself, that I'm not out acting a fool because of who you are. And I do not want to misrepresent you or my dad. And, you know, I thought about that and it spoke volumes to me because I thought to myself, we can take that same advice as our father's children and make sure that we are behaving ourselves wisely in a perfect way so that we do not misrepresent our father. 
In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 3, it says, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. Those were the words of Hezekiah. And here's what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. You were perfect in all your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. So you were born perfect because you had not had a chance to commit sin, yet you were born a sinner born into sin, shaped in iniquity. The fact that you were shaped in iniquity, what does that mean? It means that you were born perfect, but you were not born into a perfect world. So we entered into the world from eternity into time. And when you changed time zones, you came from a perfect world where you were perfect in that world, but you were born into a world which was not perfect. And that is how you were born into sin, into wickedness, and into injustice. The fact that you were born into injustice and condemnation, which is an accusation or a scolding or punishment for a bad or a punishable act by law, once you repent from your sin and make the decision to turn from your sinful ways, This is what establishes a right relationship with God, which is what puts you in right standing with God. And this right relationship or right standing before God is called justification. And this is why justification is so necessary to obtain salvation, because both justification and salvation is related to repentance. Which means that once we are forgiven of our sins, God justifies us and he takes our guilty sentence and he wipes our records clean just as if we never did it, whatever your it is. So if you mess up after that, you no longer have to be justified. You only have to be forgiven because once Jesus died for your sins, he pardoned you and paid the penalty of your sins and all of mankind through a physical and a spiritual death. Being justified freely, I say that again, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that Jesus Christ made on our behalf. You can read about that in Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Much more than Romans chapter 5 verse 9 tells us that we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is out of Romans chapter 5 verse 1. So when you are justified by repenting and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved from a life of sin and from the penalties of sin. St. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. This is what it means to be saved. And this is what the Bible is speaking of when the term salvation is used. 
It is God's desire that all men obtain salvation rather than experience the wrath of God's judgment of sin. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 and the A portion of verse 10 says, For God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. St. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his own Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he, meaning God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I want you to focus on those five words, that we might be made. So we are being made. I may have messed up, but I'm being made. I may have lost my temper, but I'm being made. I may not be perfect yet, but I am being made. And that's why the psalmist David could write in Psalms 5110, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. So David recognized that he needed not just a clean heart, but also a right spirit. And we should be the same way, understanding that Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning that you may fall and you may not always get it right. But in verse 24, it says, Being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25 says, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, meaning that the blood of Jesus Christ put a lid on your sin and sealed the deal. That's why we are sealed to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And out of the book of Ephesians chapter 13, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, so we have God's seal of promise. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So God has forgiven us and we are God's purchased possessions sealed unto the day of redemption, meaning that God has stamped us. He has put his mark on us and sealed us unto the day of redemption so we can say good riddance to all of this once Jesus returns. But until then, guess what? None of this means that you should consistently sin or ask for forgiveness just because God has sealed us and justified us and just because we can be forgiven because God redeemed us from our sins and gave us the seal of promise or his stamp of approval, meaning that he approved us to be justified and forgiven, but that does not give us a pass or permission to sin or continue in sin. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. In other words, no. And then in verse 2, the Apostle Paul asks this question, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? So basically, if you are dead to something, how are you still living or falling victim to something that you are supposed to be dead to? In other words, how are you still sinning? And I'm not just talking about the Britney Spears, oops, I did it again. And I'm not just talking about I messed up, I've repented. I'm talking about when your oops, I did it again becomes again and again and again, okay? To the point that your mess ups or your oops becomes a lifestyle of sin. Because if it's a lifestyle, you do not get a pass because none of this is about giving you a license or giving you permission to continue in sin. And I've talked about the difference between a struggle and a stronghold before on the show. And this is the reason why. You have to know the difference between the two. A perfect example of someone's struggle in the Bible was King David. He had a weakness for women to satisfy and to gratify his flesh. Yet the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. So how could this be? It's because David recognized that he needed a heart transplant. In Psalms 51, going back to that verse, I'm going to start reading in verse two. Here's what David said. He said, wash me thoroughly from iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse three says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Verse four says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, 
that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when you judge. Verse 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Verse 6 says, Behold, you desired truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 5 says, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Verse 9 says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. And here is my zoom in verse. Verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, because he knew God is not how I dance before you. It's not about me slaying a giant. It's not how well I can play my harp until someone is freed from demon possession. It's about this heart. Create in me a clean heart and give me a right spirit. Wash me, God. Clean me up. Purge me with hyssop. Wash this heart because the Bible says that man is the only one who looks at the outward appearance, but it's God who looks at the heart. Create in me a clean heart. Do you know that that word create in this verse of scripture means, watch this, to cut it out. So what was David saying? David was saying, God, I need a heart transplant. God, if I am still sinning, if I am still falling short, there has to be something that is still in this heart, which has not been worked out yet. And if it hasn't been worked out, then I want you to cut it out. In other words, do surgery on this heart, God. And just like when there are issues which affect your physical body in the natural, which requires surgery, sometimes when there are things which are affecting you spiritually, it requires surgery because if you don't cut it out, cut out the sin, cut out the tumor, cut out the cancer, cut out the infection. If you don't cut it out and you leave something in your body, which could be detrimental to your health. Listen, if you don't cut it out, it's going to be worked out. But when it's worked out, it can potentially and eventually kill you. But before that happens and the infection has a chance to fester and spread and even kill you, it may require surgery in order for you to cut it out. David said, create in me a clean heart. Give me the right spirit. If your struggle is causing a cancer and an infection in your spirit, causing you to continue to fall short, and you cannot contain yourself to the point that your sin is dominating your Christian walk and it's taking precedence over your Christian lifestyle, then you may require surgery and it may require a heart 
transplant. And quite frankly, if you can't stop sinning and if you don't cut it out, just like when an infection or when cancer has entered your physical body, it requires you to get rid of it before it kills you. So listen, if there is something which is causing you to continue to constantly and perpetually sin as a believer, repent of whatever it is, ask God for forgiveness and cut it out. Listen, before I end the show today, you know that I normally like to end the show with a quote and I wasn't able to find out whose quote this is or where it originated from, but I thought it was very relevant as well as powerful, and I want to share it and leave you with this. A true Christian desires to be free from sin, not to sin freely. Listen, beauties, that is my time. Remember, being free from sin makes us servants to righteousness and whom the Son, Jesus Christ, has made free, know that you are free indeed. That's why we can keep living our best life for Christ, which is a blessed life. So keep feasting on the Word of God. Be intentional to be a blessing to someone else. Stay positive, stay healthy, body, soul, and spirit always be kind, keep a beautiful mind, and listen, never ever forget who God called you to be, purposed you to be, and created you to be, and that is a beautiful, dope soul. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to Beautiful Soul Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Also, follow Beautiful Soul Sunday on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or visit our website at beautifulsoulsunday.com. Until next time, blessings, grace, and peace be multiplied.